Good morning. Just as a uh, continuation, we're in the middle of discussing the Battle of Amatio, which we will get back to. And we'll be starting back in Malachim. We saw the parallel in Divrei Yamim. We're going to start Malachim Bey's Parak Yedalad, Pasuk Zion. Parak Yedalad, Pasuk Zion. Just to get everybody back into the sugya, I always like starting off with the good news. Amatio had his milus, and he also had his chasrenus, in this case, after his loss of Siat Shmaya by bringing back the Avodah in the battle, which in part was caused because of his poor decision regarding the treatment and the elimination of the POWs, which wasn't an Avera per se, but certainly caused a Hashem. He lost Siat Shmaya, and perhaps he felt he had to appease the gods. He was in bad shape, and he brought them back. Navi came to him and said, now you did Avodah Zarah after a victory, and you picked the gods of the defeated army. What are you thinking? And he sort of told them to be quiet, which under threat didn't really back down, and he said that Kosh Baruch Hu was going to cause you to fall in. And when he came back, the first item in the agenda was to challenge the Melech Yisrael on his inaction toward his own army, who had pillaged, rampaged, and murdered many people as they got back when they sent away. When Amatio passed his first Nisayim, the only one he passed, the Navi said, you have too many people here, you've got to have Bitochen fight with a smaller army and Hashem can bring the Yeshua. And rightfully so, to his credit, to his immense credit, he sent them away. Unfortunately, on their way back, they were very insulted and they started uh, causing tremendous trouble. So he now takes him to task and he challenges him to a battle. And Yayosh Melchisol tells him in a not-so-nice way to just stay home and be happy with his victory against Edom because if he fights him, he's going to be in big trouble. And he didn't listen. The Divrei Yamim, which you saw last week, is the short version that he loses very badly. Now in Malachim, we'll see just how badly. And we were discussing in the context of uh, how stubborn people, governments, and armies can be rather than uh, back down and avoid a battle or concede defeat. Uh, they will often enter the battle and fight, and everybody loses. Uh, Yaakov and I discussed afterwards, I asked him to just let me know by World War I how bad was the gaiva and the improper decision-making that started the war. He told me, and if you call this good news, <laughs> he told me actually they didn't really have a choice and it was an ultimatum that no one was going to say yes to because they sort of told them, uh, hand over the perpetrator, that wouldn't have been so bad, uh, the party's responsible, and then dismantle the whole terrorist organization behind it, which basically they were, they were in the middle of a long war it was a question of which uh, mistake would ignite the whole international uh, bloodbath when this happened to be it, and Yaakov tied the base on the sources that would have been the next thing anyway, and they couldn't really back down. So perhaps over there, there was no solution because it was a war long in coming. Over here, there clearly was a solution. This didn't have to happen. The reason it happened is that Avi said, if you don't do tshuva, Kosh Baruch is going to take away your clarity of thought and that of your cabinet, and you can get bad advice from the beginning to the end, and you're going to fight this war and lose badly, and ultimately lose your, lose your position, lose your throne over it, which is what's going to happen today. Yes? Since you quoted me, I just want to say that there are historians that say that 
say that they couldn't, even at that point, they could have been pulled back. Others could have been pulled back. Right. Very small cuts. So but then obviously, Yad Hashemayim means the Kodesh Baruch says... Yes, yes, yes. I was just giving you an example. You're, you're saying it was complicated, which it was. But the example is, could some cooler head have prevailed and pulled it back? You're saying possibly. And, right. And, of course, Baruch obviously, World War I started on Tisha Kosh Baruch obviously made the Gezerah and everything that's happening in the international scene ultimately is for the good or the Einish uh, or the Kapar of the Yidin. Besides the fact that Gaim have their own Chesh and it was meant to happen. And that doesn't mean that people couldn't have rationally thought it out and perhaps had a uh, softer Midas Adin and it happened in a different way. That's always the uh, balance between the Bechira and the Ratzon Hashem. And over here... We already know ahead of time. The Navi leaves by saying, look, you want me to be quiet? You threaten to kill him. He says, I'm not going to be quiet in the face of your threats. I'm going to let you know and have the last word that if you don't turn this around, you're going to fall in. And the editorials will all say how this was Yehavimim and this was the plan and this is the strategy. He has a strong army and you beat Edom and you can take down Yisrael. It's not going to work out. As we will see more graphically in Malachim, interestingly, usually Divrei Yamim has more graphics and more detail over here. The uh, real... End of the battle is going to be spelled out more clearly in Malachim. What's also interesting, perhaps not coincidentally, yesterday's Haftarah, actually it was the Haftarah we didn't read. We had two important Haftarahs, and uh, only read one every week. In Malachim Bey's Dalid, in the Haftarah of Tazria, if you recall, we learned this here, when Naaman was told by this little girl who he captured, that there's a great miracle man in Yisrael and he can cure you of your tzaras. And tzaras then was a miraculous tzaras. Uh, perhaps even on the Goyim. Whether it was or wasn't, it didn't have a cure. But so this part's miraculous. Whether it came miraculously or not, a different story for Naaman. And he came with his entourage to visit him. First he sent a letter to the king, the king writes Kriya because he didn't have any betachim, and the Navi sent him a letter. He said, why don't you send them to me? We'll, we'll show him there's a Kosh Baruch Hu in Klai Yisrael, and he's running Klai Yisrael, running the world, and uh, we'll make a Kiddush Hashem. He goes to him, and uh, the Navi purposely doesn't even meet him, sends out a shliach, and if you look or just refresh your memory of the Pesukim over here, actually you have a Malachim in front of you. Take a look at Malachim Bey's uh, Dalid. Take a look at um, Pesach Tess. You have a Yavon Amon. Is that in your... Uh, I have it here from the Chumash. Let's see if the Pesukim correspond. You have maybe a Malachim uh, Bey's Perik Hay Pesach Tess. The Yavon. Got that? Perik Hay. A Yavon Amon. Besusa Berichva. V'yamad Pesach Abayas. Lalishri comes. Presents himself. Perik Hay Pesach Tess. You just go dunk seven times in the Yardin and you'll be fine. Naman has a major fit. This is the reason I'm pointing this out is that here we have he's a few seconds away from losing everything. He's going to go back home due to his gaiva and his incorrect uh, perspective and decision-making process, he's now going to lose the ability to have Rufuish Lema. He can't function. Saraz just gets worse. He's the commander-in-chief. He's going to lose his job, his prestige, his career, and then his life. And he sh- schleps all the way here, 
And here's an Eitzah, it sounds simple, you just go down seven times. And he starts walking away. You don't realize in life how silly we can be sometimes, you come so close. I thought to myself, I said to myself, and the Navi's going to come out, he's going to stand before me, and he's going to call out to God, he's going to wave his hand, and I'm going to be a new man. And here he doesn't even come out to greet me. Already his feathers are ruffled. This is part of the Nisayan, by the way. That's why he didn't come out and give him the time of day. He wanted to show him it's nothing to do with me. It's a Kosh Baruch Hu, and you have to understand this. If I do it in front of you, you're going to think it's me. Even though he knows that this is a man of God. So he said, with dripping gaivet, he says, I have rivers at home that are much better than this. I could have stayed home for that. They could have sent me a letter. And he turns around and he's leaving, burning. And to his good fortune, I don't know if it was his Siat maybe he did something positive or just his Siat more correctly, that the Navi wanted to make a Kiddush Hashem and Hashem wanted him to stay and see it. This is a dangerous thing to do, by the way. Whoever this young man was, pretty brave. Rule number one, is whenever your ruthless tyrant that you happen to be working under is burning angry, don't talk to him. Because if you look at him cross-eyed, it might be off with your head. Rule number two is if you think otherwise, see rule number one. And um, this young man saw what was going on, he really felt bad for him. He says, this is ridiculous. He's going to go home and he's, he's not going to get anything out of this and he'll live like this for the rest of his life which is going to be short. If he would have given you some long process of getting Rafua with all the medicines and the, uh, and the tircha you have to do, you would have happily done it just to get this Rafua. He just told you it takes 20 minutes. Just walk down to the uh, Nair and uh, go to the mikvah seven times. And he did it and he gets Rafua. He was this close. He literally had turned around and he was leaving. So some cooler head prevented this disaster. But the gaiva, what almost caused the disaster, is the same problem we have over here. Not comparing Amatio to Naman, Amatio was in a much higher madrega, but it's the same problem. Now, once you're in it and once your covet is affected, and the message sent back by Melech Yisrael didn't help too much over here because it was very insulting. Called him a thornbush. How dare you challenge me, the mighty cedar. It wasn't such a mismatch. But his muscle, like evil, like what's your avamina? It was a mismatch, but uh, not to that extent. With that, let's go back to the Pasuk. Again, Malachim Beis, Perik Yadalid, Pasuk Zion. He comes back from the Muhammad. Zion is still describing the Muhammad, who he calls Edom, again, Melech, that's Yama Melech, Aseris, Allah, and Tafas, Asel, Muhammad, Yikra Shema, Yaksael, Adayemazeh. That's a reference to the fact that he won the battle, captured them, and Yaksa, Yaksael, look at Zion and Rashi, Yikra Shema, Yaksael, Shaisel, Akiyu, Shinayim. Despite the victory at this last uh, display of cruelty ended up knocking out his teeth. He made the first mistake, which was small compared to bringing back the gods of B'nai Seir. 
Neem yeshtachave v'achicha anavi v'amalai. We saw this last week. Yedati ki yatsa lakim l'ashrisecha umaya eitsa sheyesiu l'zgaret v'melch Yisrael. And he's Chaim Esa, but uh, the Beistin's not going to bring him to justice, and he probably did it privately without Edom. The Navi knew, and Akash Baruch Hu sent the Navi to tell him that uh, you're finished unless you really do serious shuva right now, and you're not going to even realize your undoing until it's too late. And we now proceed to recount how that played out. Pasiches, Oz, Oz means because of this Avera. He made the very, very Dumb mistake. There's no better way to say it. I want to see you in battle tomorrow. Uh, there's uh, an element of revenge over here, claiming the injustice that you didn't follow through with your men and bring them to Din. And as we mentioned last week, his answer was, you invited them, you sent them off, you insulted them, it's not my problem. They're men that belong to my kingdom, but these are ruffians and uh, hired mercenaries, the type of people, what do you want? He the chutzpah to send to the mighty cedar, and the marshal over here is talking about the offer to intermarry from Shechem ben Chamar and Chamar's father to Yaakovinu and the Shifte Ka, which Taka was a chutzpah, and the Bnei Yaakov, namely Shimon and Levi, came and destroyed the entire city of Shechem. Because of that here, Marshall's given over that the Chayas came and just trampled on the lowly bush. He came back victorious in the battle, and now you're all full of yourself. He kabed v'shei b'beisecha. Why don't you just keep your glory and stay home? Lama tisgara bara v'nafalta atav Yehuda imach. Why don't you just come to battle and fall together with your people? V'lo shama matziav v'yal yoyesh melech Yisrael. Didn't listen. This is his einish. The Yisrael upon him huva matziav melech Yehuda beshemesh asher Yehuda. They meet in beshemesh, and we know where that is today. It's a low lying area, a good place to line up many men for a battle. And they have, uh, the Melech Yisrael has a decisive victory. Uh, they get badly beaten and they all run home. Remember, it's a volunteer army. They sort of collect them every time they have to fight. So everybody runs home. And the Radak points out this was the Einish that the Navi spoke about. He was actually captured. And now the Melch Yisrael is not finished. He advances toward Yerushalayim. The enemy, when they conquer Yerushalayim, always used to make a, uh, more than a dent to show they were here and to uh, press them to be very submissive. Yerushalayim is always surrounded by a wall. And the direction, it's called Shara Ephraim, is the direction that that face was, if you want to walk from Yerushalayim to the Esau to Ephraim, this was the side you walked out of at Shar Hapina, and he made a gaping hole all the way from Shar Ephraim to the Shar Hapina, which was a center foundation wall. How large? Arba Meis Ama, quite large. Chaznish Ama, almost 400 feet. That's not a small 800 feet. That's not a small hole. Lokach. Then he proceeds to go into the city. 
Lokach es kol hazav kesev es kol hakelim and son beis Hashem. He raids the beis Hamikdash. Not a very nice thing to do. He's not too from. Forget raiding your enemy's uh, treasury. This is the beis Hamikdash. Happy to be in Yerushalayim. He didn't care. Aitzis beis Hamelach. That's almost expected. There's Bnei HaTaruvus, and he takes back the Bnei HaTaruvus. Rashi says, you look at your Dalit, who are these Bnei HaTaruvus? Bnei HaSarim Shunasunim Beis HaMelech Le'eravon. He always kept X amount of people, the sons of people who he didn't want to hear from, didn't want to have trouble from. Now, who are these Bnei HaSarim? So either it means they were Sarim of his own kingdom, was supposed to be working for him, but they shouldn't think. Often a rebellion came from the ranks of the Sarim, so he had their children growing up in the palace in case they'd ever start up. He had already prisoners, they should think twice. Often it meant uh, B'nai Sarim of foreign powers, who they had defeated, and they took these prisoners that they shouldn't start up. And Yehuda wasn't a superpower in the region, but they, they had conquered land. Or possibly, doesn't say who these people were, possibly B'nai Sarim of the Asaras Shvatim. Remember, they had fought some battles, and there was a cold peace, and perhaps they let them stay. Don't forget, these are Yidin staying by Yidin. So they probably sat up to Cheder, and they lived a pretty good life in the palace, comfortable life, and now that he's here, he's going to take them back. Those are the three possibilities. Whoever they were, he took them, or took them back. Whenever it signs off like this, we don't really care what other battles he fought. Those are on the royal chronicles and not important for the Navi if we can't learn something from it. And we're going to get back to Yeravam. It's very, very unnerving. Somebody as bad as they were, somebody from Melech, Malchi Yisrael, should name their son Yeravam? Yeravam is the one who started this whole disaster. The answer is that's the way we look at it. It's from people. They looked at it as Yeravim was the founding father of their country. And there was a very, very hush of a name. And he named his son Yeravim because he wanted him to be looked up upon as the person who stood up to, will stand up to Yehuda and to the world. And his father, Vadafka, picked the name. He was proud of it. Yeravim goes down in our book as uh, a rush of the highest order, started off as a man of tremendous, tremendous potential as a tzaddik. He was selected for that. And was Chetia Machtis Arabim. So, to pick this name, we're going we're to learn about what he, what he now does, but the name is a little unsettling. And we'll get back to him. Pasuk Yudzayim. Vayechi amatziyah ben yayesh melch yudach harei mois yayesh ben yachaz melch yisach hamesh yisachana. This is interesting. He captured him in battle. Apparently, after he came to the city and breached the wall and stole all the money, he let him go. Didn't kill him and didn't take him back, which, had they been fighting Aram or anybody else, I don't think that would have happened. So, at the end of the day, it's another Yid, uh, only two Yiddish kingdoms, and uh, he let him go. It didn't help him that much, and he was alive. And it says over here he lived another 15 years. We'll discuss uh, in a moment exactly what happened during these 15 years. Rashi already gives you an insight in Yud Zion. His son Uzio, who we'll have plenty to say about, who also starts off as a pretty, uh, pretty good person, 
He's the Uziel is going to get Saras, speaking of which, just as a heads up. So, what's going on for these 15 years in Amatsiel's life that his son has to take over the throne? We'll find out very soon. What happened? As is likely, again, due to his Einish, politically, you can explain this as well, but we know the Navi already told us this is going to be his end. After this battle, they rebelled against him because he really messed things up. Governments don't stand very long after a disastrous result of improper decision-making. And this is about as bad as it gets. After the Yom Kippur War, how long did uh, uh, the government stand? Lahavdu? Not very. You can explain, uh, we thought, with this, with that. Okay. If you also explain, what, one month? One year, okay. He also explained, yeah, I thought, and we thought we could handle them. We just came up with a victory against Edom. We had a strong army. The army was, he explained to me here the next year. The Navi told him he did about Azar, and he's finished, unless he does serious tshuva, which he didn't do. And he went into battle, so it was a disaster. And they lost Yerushalayim. They didn't lose it. They were still living there, but uh, Amela came, breached uh, a gap 800 feet, and uh, sacked the Besamikdash and the royal treasury. He's not going to stay in power that long, and this is all part of the Einish. Yikshul of Keshev Yishalayim, the Yonas Lachisha, and he ran to Lachish. Interesting, he was apparently powerful enough. He ran to Lachish, and he had his loyal Green Berets there, and they had a battle there. They went to get him. The Misushom eventually, they killed him there. How long did this siege and battle take? 15 years. A long time. To be held up in Lachish, but he didn't really run the country. The nice thing, I always like pointing out the silver lining. Here they're rebelling against him, they're trying to kill him, they're fighting a war against him. Who's the next king? His son. And they put him on the throne when he was gone. They had no time against Machas Beis David. They were very proud of Machas Beis David. They wanted to continue it at all costs. But they really disagreed with his Mahalach and Mehashem Yetzadav that he shouldn't be dying. Uh, an easy death and living a peaceful life and he should lose his kingdom, which is exactly what happened. It's a very slow and painful process and it turns out that his son Uziel sort of is one of the country is not looking for power, uh, but he's running it because his father is not in the capital, he's in Lachish. After he dies, they give him a royal burial, a full, um, what do they do? 21 gun salute? They're, they're going to carry him and they're going to take him. Be cover your shlaim of Isa and be your David. He's one of them. They're proud. He's a Melech and Beis David and now he's dead. And let's go fight there. That sounds strange to us. Like if you rebel, you don't usually, modern rebellions, they don't appoint the son. But over here, again, they wanted to protect Melech Beis David. They're no issue with Melech Beis David over here. And this is part of his personal Einish. Yes. Right, directly. No, it wasn't the war at all. I'm saying it was. That's just what the editorial said. The the MS was it clearly. This is what initially Navi tells us ahead of time. If you don't turn this around, you're doomed. This is just playing out how on paper, vis a vis the uh, the editorials and the current events and what their angle on it was. 100. percent The MS clearly was told us. No, he went for Derek because in the previous battle 
He made one mistake. He took the POWs and threw them off a cliff, which he had a right to eliminate them, but not in that fashion. Then he brought the Avodah Zarah's home. He bowed down to them. And then the Navi told him that uh, you're in big trouble unless you really do serious tshuva, which you didn't, because he didn't see it as a problem. And this is all the result. So yes, the, the, the Pusik spells it out because this is how Hashem carried out the Einish, but it didn't have to be this way. As World War I didn't have to start that way. Yes? It almost sounds like he's winning the open for the possibility that, that rather, that, that, it wasn't, that the coup wasn't motivated politically, but rather for religious reasons. Like they were, they were upset. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, it was a blend. The more from saw that the Navi probably heard that the Navi said this and he was no longer having Siyat Shmaya, and then the less from said, uh, we don't know what's going on in Siyat Shmaya, that's your business between you and Akash Baruch Hu, but you just entered into a war that was not necessary and uh, almost lost the whole country. So we're not, we're not interested. So it's always like that. Whenever you have, there are people who reacted, like we can't play Akash Baruch Hu, it's a terrible disaster, but most people, even some not yet from, will say on paper, they won't talk about Akash Baruch but they'll say, yeah, the Yom Kippur War was a result of overconfidence in the IDF after the Six-Day War. That everybody's masking to. And the Morphrom will say, yeah, the overconfidence was the Avera that led to the disaster of the war, not because militarily we caught off guard because of overconfidence. That's what it said in the paper. It, we were overconfident because we didn't give our Shrach V'adat Baruch Hu and pin the nace on Akash Baruch Hu doing not K'chavet Yadi. And that caused the disaster. They sound very similar, but they're two different reactions. One is we've got to reinforce our lines and train our soldiers better. And the other one is we've got to do tshuva. That's the, that's the difference. And so I'm sure there was, there was one reaction, another reaction, a mixed reaction. That's, uh, that's the difference. That's why all this Navi is here, to teach us that uh, whatever goes around comes around. And if we don't learn from it, we're doomed to repeat it. Yes, you had another question? Okay. Uziel will take over, and uh, we will see that uh, part of it is, again, going to be very good news, and part of it's going to be a disaster also, almost entirely dependent on his decision-making process. A lot of that depends on the level of the people. The people can bring up the leader, the leader can bring up the people, a blend of both. Uh, We're going to see over here, the particular focus on Uziel when we get to it, uh, that's going to be an issue of, um, of Gaiva as well. And uh, we're not going to get to it for quite a few weeks, but it's going to be a real study in the uh, personal motivations. And we start off with a relatively good person who starts doing something akin to Nadav Aviyu, although Nadav Aviyu in a much higher madriga, of wanting to come closer to a Gaj Baruch, or at least uh, in your mind you think that's what's pushing you. And going to a place and doing something where you don't belong and it has no shaykhs to you. It's all from gaiva, even though it can be dressed up as, no, 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 I'm trying to do the right thing for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, for his people. And sometimes the worst uh, atrocities are in the name of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and you can fool yourself into doing anything. Once you convince yourself, you're L'Shem Shamayim. That's the... But we're not going to get to that for quite a few weeks. Let's go. Just want to peak since we gave it out. Take a look at your chart. We're going to be referring to this over the next few months because I don't want you to lose your, your bearing on which Malach we're up to in Yehuda and Yisrael. And a lot of these names are pretty familiar and confusing. So if you look at Malach Yehuda, I just want to show you where we are. Uh, let's, we'll take a, a running jump because it'll get you very comfortable. Everybody have the, the chart? Go all the way back to 7. She's already Baruch Hashem, ancient history. 
and this year. But uh, remember Atalia, that Rashanta? So Atalia, Baruch Hashem, was uh, gotten rid of by the Kain Gadol and his Rebetzin. They saved Yoyash, hit him above the Kedosh number eight, put him on the throne. He was a very good king, at least at the beginning. His son, Amatio, is who we just dealt with. And uh, the zigzag in Malchi Yehuda is incredible. The good news is, again, they bounce back very well. In Malchi Yehuda, it was pretty one, pretty big one disaster after another, and Shailah was how bad each king was vis-a-vis the other one. No one was really good. They were all of Devar Azar. In Melech, uh, Melech Yehuda and Malchi Yehuda, that was not the case. Apparently, even the quote-unquote bad kings were not uh, that focused sent their children to good chadarm. They grew up from, in general, the district of Yehuda was on a higher madrega. And we just finished with Amatziao, who was uh, a person who did listen to the Navi, not enough, but uh, on a few occasions, knew who the Navi was, and held himself to be from, and made some serious mistakes. His son now, Azayo Uziyo, same person, is now taking over, took over this morning or 15 years ago, and we are yet going to see much about him. And uh, his son's going to be Yesen, we're not going to get to him for another couple of months. It's Mount Krishma? Well, it's Mount Krishma anyway, in case anybody didn't dive in. But who was the Navi that was, uh, that Amatio was doing? We had him before, no? I think you dug, you dug up a name? I think it didn't say Beferish, but I think you, uh, we researched it afterwards. You found somebody. If you find it, up, if you find it again, it let me know. Amos, though, right? What? It wasn't Amos, was it? It seems to be no. No, no, I think, I think we, we spoke about it afterwards, uh, a few weeks back. And we, yeah, in the Malche Yehuda, a lot of them are related enough, and that's important because they thought that they would have more of an impression on the king because they held rank themselves, and they felt more protected. Sometimes that worked, sometimes that got them killed. So it, did, it was an advantage because you almost spoke as a, a colleague with what they thought was royal protection, it didn't always work. But if you can look it up again, I remember we had... Uh, we the found, right. Yeah, it's... Uh, again, some of them were killed in the line of duty by very pretty immediate relatives. Look on the uh, Malchi Yisrael side for a moment. Take a look at uh, 10, 11, 12, and 13. You have Yehu, Yehoshaz, Yehoshash. Yehoshash is the one who just fought this battle and won. And now his son is going to take over Yerobam. We're not that far from the Gullus of the Aserah Sashvatim, unfortunately. Uh, we're at number uh, 13 already. We're going to 19. So uh, you know, within a year probably we're going to get to that. And the Mitzvah will pick this up next week. Let's go to the Peleyates. <clears throat> Go back to page Kuf Mem Vav in the second half of the Sefer. <coughs> Kuf Mem Vav. We're in the middle of talking about Panasa, always a very crucial topic for daily activities. Go four 
lines up, or five lines up from the bottom of the page in Kufnei Vav. First one line is Kizeh, in the middle of the line is Aval Mishuhu Yagea. That's who we're up to, and it's in the thought. He was contrasting the people who understand that when they go to work, they're fulfilling the curse of Zeus Apecha when they have to, and they have to do the amount of shtadlis necessary that the making of the Panasa shouldn't appear to be a nace, because ain't some chal except for Pshim Bayachai Vachaverev. And the person who doesn't understand that is going to try to make a lot of money in uh, illegal activities, not understanding that the Gzeir is Menashamayim, what you're going to make, and doing something illegal or missing minion or missing davening or missing Yisadarm for that Parnassah is like the Chavaz Chaim's marshal putting another peg inside the barrel so you can have another uh, way to uh, spritz out the liquid. You can put five of them in. Just drill them in. You'll have another spigot. And you have the same barrel with the same amount of schnapps in it. And it might come out quicker, but you're not getting any more out. That's the Chavaz Chaim's famous marshal. To start with the word of Amishu Yagea Lahashir Begezel Vanov Avlo Vashekar Vasagas Gvul Kahina Isurim Rabim Hamisvakshim Bamasa Matan. Person who does not learn the Allahas doesn't ask a Shaila when he sees it and he sees it clearly, just ignores it. And he gets involved in Gezel or Nan, Gezel could be Avak Gezel, could be many forms. Sheker, some people in Miyashev, it's not outright Sheker, it's just hiding information as we discussed Shabbos afternoon. Just corporate espionage. It's not really, I uh, just hired the guy and everybody does this. I'm stealing some secrets, but everybody does this and my competitor does it against me, so I gotta protect myself. You can protect yourself. It's called antivirus, uh, you know, get Sadiq to get you some security on the computer. That'll uh, protect yourself, you can always do. It's when you retaliate and start spying on them. Two wrongs don't make a right. I remember, this goes back 30 plus years ago, I was a young man, I saw somebody who was ranting and raving, it happened in Muncie, only in Muncie can this happen, it happened in Flappish also, I had one case like this in Flappish, Flappish it's, it's even worse, but either way it's us, Asagas Gvul, Asagas Gvul has many different meanings, most of the time today in the various industries it means you're spying and you're stealing secrets and you're trying to infringe on his panasa. And be over on copyrights and making a thousand copies of his new CD. That's the classic Asagas Gvul. I once witnessed, I didn't witness the actual Asagas Gvul in the middle of the night, but I came to a, I was happy to be standing in a guy's backyard and he was ranting and raving. So I don't understand. He did it again. I said, What did he do? He said, He took the fence and he moved it over. This is a month. The guy had an acre, he had an acre and a half. I don't understand what he gained. I said, How much did he move it over? He said, I think about 10 feet. A chutzpah. I, I, I came to the thing. He was like, Building a fence. I said, why are you building a fence? Said, I'm not building a fence. I'm moving it back. Like, I, I don't know. Every, and he goes in the middle of the night and he moves it. I'm not sure exactly what anybody gained. It was 10 feet. And, and an acre, you don't really notice the difference, but it's the principle. It's not the money. So uh, I remember he was, uh, he was furious. I asked him, I said, what difference does it make? He says, Hasagas Gvul, literally. And he was, literally, Hasagas Gvul. And Geneva, Hasagas Gvul is type of Geneva. But I, I never saw somebody actually move a fence. Now, flappers, you take four feet. That's like three quarters of the property, and and that's uh, and people extending the houses. And flappers, you want to build a bigger house? That's uh, there were there were dinner terra fought over uh, over inches, and rightfully so. 
if you, you don't have that many inches to spare. I, I didn't really understand at that time, and I'll never understand, I guess, why you'd want to bother with the 10 feet. The answer, I guess, if I'd ask him was, today is 10 feet, and tomorrow's another 10 feet, and then all of a sudden, I'll be at my window. Okay, I don't look, that's a guy's property, I don't tie it could be annoying every time you wake up and your fence moves. So that's Hasaka's Gvul. So nobody, most people won't do that. But in business, they don't look at it, it's not Hasaka's Gvul, it's a competition. And uh, all is fair and war and, uh, you know, sub war and whatever. So the uh, Pelliers is trying to point out that that's, uh, it's not going to get you any more money besides the fact that it's usher. And then he starts missing a mincha betzibur. Then Chassid Shalmi starts missing mincha. And then he says Sadarma going out the window. He's not only is he doing an iser, and as he's not helping his ruchnius, it's immediately hurting his gashmias. Now I use the word immediate. Uh, in a general sense, because he's going to point out, sometimes people steal, and it looks like the uh, bad guy finishes first, nice guy finishes last, and it looks like he's making money. So immediate retribution doesn't come, because then we'd have no Bechira, but it often doesn't last long. It could be a year, it could be 10 years, it could be 20 years, it could be his children losing it. But it's, a thousand years is not going to last. The Baragola tells us that even about Tosakam, which is technically Mutter. And he says, I made Lederus, the money never stayed. So, he used the Lushan over here, and even if he looks like he's succeeding temporarily, and it's not going to have nachas at the end. And sometimes it could be his undoing. The Aisha itself will cause him to do things. Now that he has the money that he would never do without this money. The money itself is in his Yitzhahar tries to lock it in that it looks like he is Masliach. In the short term, Sometimes the beginning sign is the good guys who bite the bullet and do the right thing. And then it looks like they lost the deal. Looks like they lose money. That's part of the sign as well. That's the classic tzaddik, rosha, Looks like the nice guys are losing. But uh, you have to have bitachan, the Zalam Haba and the Schaiva Inish. It's impossible at the end of the day, the Pelayites, we've got to read this line a hundred times. It can't come out that the people who are more makbit to stay away from the Geneva are making less money, and the people who are being over and cutting corners are making more money. That's an impossible scenario at the end of the day. Short term, it looks like that. But that can't be at the end of the day. At the end of the day, it might be in 10 years, it might be in Alam Haba. And then the money will be lost somewhere along the line as retribution. But it can't come out unfair. That's a terrible way of even thinking that a Baruch Hu can paskin such a shaila like that. Certainly, if a king ran his country like that, we'd have tainas. 
Chalila la'el me'resha v'shakai me'avol raka'emes agamra k'moshamarnu. You have to keep in mind that you have to have a long view of life and of history. Chala'am mikatsa yedim es kalzai. Some people deep down know. Tzadigrasha v'shakai tevla means you've got to have a long view of history. Ve'emaminim raka'em esurim b'yad yitzram. As deep down they know the emes, but on the moment it looks, the glitter looks like it's successful and the uh, person looks like a simpleton because he's a nair, because he's not getting into shtick. It looks like he's losing out. And yet people, there's some people, Armas Gabrin and Isayim, and forget the Geneva, he started off with missing davening and then being mazalzal and davening and missing sadarm. Somebody yesterday, after Shalashitz, came over to me. And he said, we just had a discussion. He said, unfortunately, it was part of it was during davening, but it was a working as discussion. He said, we were discussing why mincha is so difficult. So I was thinking of the Pelayites. I said, you mean like in the middle of the week and uh, you're in the middle of a, a short, a short uh, day in December and uh, you're in the middle of a meeting and it's hard to get out dominion or hard to daven? He said, yeah, that's, that's very true, but we weren't talking about that. We're talking about why people struggle so much and everybody comes without their tie to Mincha and Shabbos. I said, that's not a dinner Mincha, I told him. I said, that is a Zozo Mincha and a Zozo Mezkanez. It's a Zozo Shabbos. He's supposed to be dressed on Shabbos properly. We're getting dressed for Shabbos, not for our friends. And it's still Shabbos by Mincha. Even according to Litvaks, the sun didn't set yet. So um, it's a very strange thing. It grows. It was uh, 20 years ago. It wasn't like, this grows. You know, one guy sees another guy, another guy, another guy, and all of a sudden, uh, it's all gone. Mincha, so he, I said, why do you think it's Dina Mincha? He said, the psychology, the guy talked to me, he wasn't wearing a tie. Uh, so he said, the psychology is, I was happy to hear this. I never really understood. The psychology is, yeah, it's only Mincha. So I told him, I said, first of all, if you were here an hour before for the shear, it wouldn't be only Mincha. That's first of all. Then it's a shir, it's mincha, shal shudas. He said, yeah, we think it's only mincha. It's only mincha, so for mincha anyway. Meyer, Meyer's already much of Shabbos. I said, well, sort of baruch is like part of like Shabbos. We say vuachum very slowly. And you didn't really get to our talk about tunnel yet. And it's still like you're, you're getting dressed for Shabbos. And it's not only mincha. So it was a zilzal mincha also, the end of the conversation, his angle. Zilzal Shabbos and zilzal There's no reason for it. I said, why? What's the Yitzhar? He says, you know, you walk around, relax. I said, look, you want to take a walk? It's hot. You want to take off your tie? Okay, just put it back on. It's not, a, it's not for the Gimel Ve'ez Chamuris. I don't uh, give fire and brimstone drushes about it. There are other battles to fight, but what for? Why? Uh, most of the guys are wearing ties. But what, 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 why? What's the, uh, why take a risk of being Mazal on Shabbos or Mincha? But once on the topic, I said, by the way, during the week it's a struggle also. He said, yeah, 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 we're going to get to that. I don't have a problem with my tie there. I do have a problem getting out of the building. So that's what he's talking about. If you think staying for the extra few minutes of the meeting is going to help you. And he finishes the paragraph, Yeshem and Ichem and Hagam Some people don't listen. They know deep down the Schar Vainish, but it's hard to pass it at the moment. Mitzvah Shem will continue discussing it on Shabbos.